Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. I'm Robbie Krieger-Smith. And I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. We bring political analysis and commentary on events in Alberta and Canadian politics. We discuss policy and look for expert insights into topics relevant to government, policymakers, and issues that face voters. So today is June, well, technically 14th now. But, <laughs> but we started on the 13th. <laughs> we did start on the 13th. And the Toronto Raptors are the NBA champions, which is new news. Yes. Yeah. And so we're going to make a short format change to the podcast. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on one topic and posting 20 to 30 minute segments a couple times a week. So the podcast episodes are going to be a little bit more digestible and more frequent as they come out. (laughs) (laughs) It's the tweet, Robbie. It's the Green Party's tweet. Oh, is it? (laughs) Yes. 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 So we're also going to, I'm going to start naming our segments because I am a creative writer and I have fun with that. And so we have a theme for this next week and, you know, see if you can figure it out by the end. Our first topic tonight is entitled War, What Is It Good For? Absolutely nothing when the Alberta government's engaged in it. (laughs) So we had, uh, fulfilling one of his campaign promises, uh, Premier Kenny did announce the $30 billion energy. $30 million, <laughs> yeah. I feel like Dr. Evil, $100 million billion. <laughs> uh, so they announced their $30 million uh, energy war room, and uh, it was a bit of a rocky start for them. First off, they had their TMX, uh, BC for TMX Twitter account that looked initially like it was a grassroots movement to get support for the TMX pipeline, but was quickly exposed as being run by the Alberta government and actually wound up changing their avatar even because it was kind of misrepresenting who was behind the account. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. Yeah. So not the greatest way to start building authenticity and support for an important energy project, but Mm -hmm. it is what it is. (laughs) And uh, then they had their press conference where they had industry stakeholders and um, an interesting participant there was Vivian Krause, who, um, for those that don't know, is the Twitter account at Fair Questions. And she's the person who's allegedly been doing this deep dive on who's funding the anti-Alberta oil sands campaign or movement and has linked it to the Rockefeller family and to the Tar Sands campaign and the Tides Foundation in the U.S., um, and uh, yeah, so she she was there and she had an interesting exchange with uh, Stephen Carter uh, of Allison Redford and other <laughs> of Strategist Pod of Strategist Podcast <laughs> fame. Um, and she says, Stephen, you sure you want to pick a fight with me? And he responded, I'm not picking a fight with you. I'm picking a fight with Jason Kenny. And was that a threat to which she responded? It was a warning. Yes. 
(laughs) (laughs) Like it. Yeah. And this was, this was a concern that a number of people actually mentioned when Jason Kenney started to talk about his war room is would this be essentially government or taxpayer funded attacks on Alberta citizens on Canadian citizens for disagreeing with the government's uh, messaging. Yeah, it's really concerning (laughs) because with freedom of expression, you know, the whole idea is that people can criticize government and not have to worry about as long as they're not inciting violence or criticizing on the grounds of a uh, protected class which being an oil and gas company or worker is not at this point in the charter um yeah, <laughs> yeah so the challenge for me or the concern here is that we're just funding a a twitter freaking troll farm that's going to be run by ucp loyalists rather than when you compare and contrast that with the ndp approach which was yeah they invested 30 million dollars in the keep canada working kind of strategy and campaign but it was actually ran by and developed by professional pr firms and there was measurable outcomes in terms of moving the needle for support for the tmx expansion in quebec and in uh, bc from not having majority support to the point where the majority of people in both those jurisdictions, and I believe Ontario as well, but it was significant, the move in the sentiment and the support for that project. And so it's just, you know, it sells really well to the base, but it's, it's just completely hyper-partisan rhetoric. And if all that is, is a troll farm that's going to go after people in other jurisdictions, it's going to have the opposite effect of what it's intended to. And it will be just a giant exercise in corporate welfare and pissing away money that is going to have no positive outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fair concern. Um, you know they haven't they haven't even started yet but the tone around this uh and and you know the speculation didn't necessarily seem to bring up too many issues other than it was speculation um but you know vivian's involvement in this hasn't really seemed extremely positive yeah, no, definitely for sure. And I mean, between her and uh, Sonia Savage, I've been mm-hmm. referring to them as the ministers of truth, which yeah. is unfortunate because Savage also looks a little bit like uh, Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter. So, <laughs> so. but anyways, I digress. Uh <laughs> So uh, Minister Savage also wrote a couple letters. Uh, she fired off one to National Geographic, correcting some inaccuracies on uh, expo- quote-unquote expose that they published on mm-hmm. Alberta's oil sands. And uh, she fired a kind of shorter one off to Politico, uh, which intended to address um, just basically the tone. And it uh, wasn't really so much about correcting any inaccuracies, but just more boosting, I guess, Alberta's energy industry. Um, but mm-hmm. the National Geographic one was really interesting. And I, I thought it was actually fairly articulate and well-written and it talks about um you know how national geographic is respected and and it's kind of got this rich history of 
being fact-based and and whatnot and just the fact that it um they didn't really do a very good job of fact-checking and balancing the reporting and so there's some really significant inaccuracies in it like it talks about 175 odd mining projects in alberta's oil sands when the number is actually seven right Uh, yeah and uh, so, you know, it, it paints this real stark and ugly picture of what's going on. It talks about um, there being over, I think it was over 350 miles of thin strips of trees shielding this expansive industrial wasteland. For anybody <laughs> who's actually traveled to Fort McMurray, it's like significantly... Um, misrepresented what they're saying because the i mean first off it's only about 160 miles up to fort mcmurray Mm -hmm. and uh the majority of the trip is just super thick boreal forest that you can't see 10 feet into and it's only really in the last kind of half hour um, of the five-hour trip up to Fort McMurray that you start to see these um, resource projects and none of them are strip mines um, that are on the driver that can be seen. And again, there's only seven of them. And in total of the seven projects, there's 10 strip mines. Um, the majority of them are what are called in-situ uh, or in-site. Um, and what they do is they actually drill down because the oil sands deposits are too far down for a conventional mining project. And there's no tailings ponds that accompany any of those and uh, so it having been up there having toured the oil sands seeing the reclamation seeing what it actually looks like it's so inaccurate what the national geographic story tells and it's really really basically just a propagandist hit piece which is not something that you normally see in national geographic Mm -hmm. and those are like it's it's articles like that, it's reporting like that, that makes sense. That that would be why the war room may exist. Yep. And so that's, you know, that is what we would want to see the corrections going to. Yep. Not to some comment that Stephen Carter makes on Twitter. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, it, I mean, it certainly kind of highlights just how thin-skinned this government is on stuff. But um, my fear all along has been that this is just going to be a project in creating and entrenching enemies. And the approach already, even attacking Albertans, is going to, I think, backfire. So it's just, um, yeah, it's quite the quite the misstep for the initial start and. Uh, worries me about the future viability of it and then the other piece is that it's being done in house and it we all know it's going to be staffed by party loyalists and industry loyalists rather than getting professional communications people who can do the market research that will help them to craft and refine the message so that it resonates and gets buy-in mm-hmm. um and if they're just engaging in hyperpartisan rhetoric that comes across as just being industry boosters versus communicating and engaging and generating buy-in, it's just going to be awful. Yeah, <laughs> no, I totally agree. And there are, 
<clears throat> as you mentioned, there's a couple of similarities. The cost of Keep Canada Working, I believe, came in at $31 million. And the War Room, as we know, is scheduled for a $30 million investment. Was did you Do you remember... Was the $30 million investment a yearly investment, a one-time investment? I believe it's going to be an annual investment because um, it's going to be funded from the, well, new old new carbon tax that still exists, even though they've repealed it ish <laughs> But uh, yeah, so there's still a large emitter uh, carbon tax that's in place uh, right. under the UCP government. Uh, so surprise, Albertans, you still have a carbon tax. Um, <laughs> it's still passed down to consumers. Yeah, and it's still passed down to consumers. So yeah, I believe that it is going to be an annual uh, annual investment. Okay. And so the thing too with the with how they're funded when the carbon tax existed for everyone that fully funded the keep Canada working campaign. And now it's actually two thirds for, or from the S G E R thing, uh, large emitter carbon tax. And one third of it comes directly from the Alberta government. And the only, the only reason, and this is, you know, a fantastic segue into the next segment is that the with the carbon tax not existing anymore, the one third coming from the Alberta taxpayers. And, you know, like you said before, it it's our resource. We should support it. Uh, but that is something that is that just kind of looks different. It's just sort of a reminder that Jason Kenney lost revenue. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, the one thing I will say is that um, I've seen and read some speculation that industry is going to come forward with some dollars to help support this as well. Um, So, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the, The concern or the thing that kind of miffs me a little bit is these are multi-billion dollar corporations that have the access to and resources to be able to do this and they've just done such an awful job of doing it themselves so um, I guess that's partially why the government feels it needs to step in and partially because we are the actual owners of the resource and so um, in order to get full value we need to do that so from that perspective it makes sense but yeah it uh, definitely has uh, put a dent in the finances of the province already with some of the changes that have been made. So we'll talk about that in our next segment. Yeah. And the last thing I guess that we can talk about with, I mean, this is somewhat war room related, is Jason Kenney's visit to Quebec to, um, let's say, do some boosterism. I'm not sure if it was entirely for Alberta or the CPC, but definitely some boosterism. And the thing that I liked about the CBC article, that one's called Jason Kenney Bends Truth on Oil and Equalization Ahead of Meeting with Quebec Counterpart. They use the term Bends Truth. They use the term 
uh, num- made a number of misleading claims. And I think that we get to say, actually, I'm not positive. I'm, we get to say he's not telling the truth. And the thing is, the comment that he made was the $13 billion in equalization payments that form a large part of Quebec's revenues come disproportionately from Alberta and from our energy sector. And I just have to say, because I live in rural, every capital project outside of Calgary and Edmonton are disproportionately paid for by taxes from people living in Calgary and Edmonton. Yep. But what's fantastic... What's really fantastic is that you don't hear people in Calgary and Edmonton talking about or whining about us country folk wanting more beds for our community hospital or staff, you know, like nurses to actually staff the care units. So this bothers me. It has always bothered me. It's going to always continue to bother me. Yeah, I think the challenge is is that, um, particularly in a federation like Canada, a lot of your identity is tied to your provincial place of residence. And mm-hmm. as much as we are one country, we do have some distinct identities in different regions. Um, and, you know, Quebec is one of those. Certainly the Maritimes is one of those. Uh, but, yeah, it's just this, you know, selfishness selfishness that exists um and this victim mentality that when we don't get our way and it's you know really frustrating to me and you know i've lived in different regions of canada i was born in bc i've spent time in quebec and ontario uh but you know we have lower cost of living in alberta than places like toronto montreal and quebec we make more money than people in all those areas and we're lower taxed and we're whining that we're really hard done by and it just uh, i think all it does is kind of serves to alienate and divide us um but i think that that's kind of the state of our politics right now too and it just it's so childish and frustrating to see because you know uh, I've been fairly fortunate in my life that I've been able to, you know, jump up from being in what I'll call the welfare class because we spent a good portion of my childhood in that. Um, And now I'm, you know, technically middle upper class. Um, I don't mind sharing some of that because I got to that place because of public education, because of public school or uh, public health uh, and whatnot and i guess the challenge though is that for alberta we've made a political decision to fill our province's finances with our resource revenues and we've lulled ourselves into this belief that you can have low taxes high services and a strong economy and jobs and lots of money and And that the math works and that the math works exactly (laughs) and so there's just this big disconnect from reality and it comes back to bite us in the ass every time that the resource especially well every time that the resource and sectors crash yeah and then we act like we're victims 
but of we're our the own ones, making. Yeah, we're, we're the ones victimizing ourselves, right? Yeah. So it's just, but that being said, um, you know, I think there's legitimate criticisms to be made. Like, you know, just the same as choosing not to have a sales tax is a political decision. The maritime, some of the maritime provinces in Quebec deciding not to develop their resource energy industries is a political decision that they've made. So, you know, why shouldn't that be held against them when considering fiscal capacity and what type of equalization they would get, right? So, yeah. And and absolutely like there's a there's a number of of decisions that have been made along the way and you know, all of those decisions have consequences. We are where we are right now because of decisions that were made in the past and it's just I, I, you know, we're in a, we're in kind of this space right now, not only with things like, you know, needing a war room and, and needing, needing someone who's going to make uh, arguments on behalf of others and someone who's going to stand up for and support. And it feels like we're doing all of this in silos yeah yeah totally so i think we're going to have to leave it there because we're at 20 minutes yep all right what's the title of our next episode deirdre our next episode is entitled if i had two billion dollars Ooh, my favorite bare naked ladies song that's right right <laughs> that's exactly where that came from thanks for joining us for this episode this has been the Political R&D Podcast with Robbie Krieger-Smith and Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. Where can people find you, Deirdre? They can find me on Twitter at Mitchell underscore AB. And you can find me online at RKS Alberta. The Political R&D Podcast is available wherever you get your podcast, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Political R&D. Mm-hmm.